Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio, where we'll talk about news, education, and opportunities for small businesses on the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and in Washington, D.C. I'm Michelle Yancey. And I'm Kyle Todd. Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Kyle. How are you? I am well, thank you. And Rodney, hello to you back there on the on the board. Um, we have um, a very honored guest joining us uh, this morning. Uh, but first, of course, we want to make some announcements. Uh, as always, we want to thank our sponsors, the Department of Small and Local Business Development and the Department of Housing and Community Development. It is their grant dollars to us that allow us to put on this show and um, allows us to provide assistance and support to the small businesses up and down the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street Corridor. So thank you to DSLBD and DHCD. Uh, and Porch Fest is coming up. It is coming up. Everybody's going to keep hearing about this until, until it happens, but it's um, one of the most exciting things that happens here on Rhode Island <laughs> Avenue because uh, everybody's tired of the warm weather. Uh, excuse me. Everyone's tired of the cold weather. And can't wait for the warm weather. And that's historically been a great warm uh, weekend and full of sunshine and live music. Uh, so that will be Saturday, April 14th from um, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Rhode Island Avenue Northeast. Uh, you can visit our website, riamainstreet.org. Um, and something I'm very, very excited about, we have just around the corner um, a new mobile app oh, for Rhode yes, Island Avenue Main Street. For the porches. Street. Well, for the Main Street in general. Oh, um, okay. Business directory, um, find out all about what's going on on Rhode Island Avenue as far as where you can eat and shop and um, have fun. And um, part of that new mobile app that we'll be rolling out uh, has um, some historical tours. Like we've got... uh, The call boxes. Yeah, when we talked Mm -hmm. to Charles Bergen um, a couple of weeks ago about the historic call boxes, uh, we'll have a map of those up. And we'll have the Porch Fest map so you can find out all about the different porches throughout the area that are hosting live musicians, live performers, and the, the schedule of events for the day. Um, so we're really excited about that app, and it will be rolling out in a couple of weeks. Great! Uh, it'll be just in time for That'll Porch be Fest. Exciting! Yep. Um, and Porch Fest is sponsored, of course, by Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and the Department of Small and Local Business Development. Uh, also, our partners are Cultural Tourism DC, and uh, some of our business partners on that um, business sponsors are Zeke's Coffee and the Public Option, um, and more to come on that. So do we have all of our uh, performers lined up? We do. Ah, so we're full. We are full. It is going to be a great lineup. There's some fantastic musicians that that are coming in for this. And um, looks like we're going to have some other little ancillary things going on. Um, Art Enables is going to be open for the day. Um, It's uh, second Saturday, so they'll be having um, some music-themed workshops, I think, going on. Um, We may be having a live mural being painted um, on one of the business, one of the... Uh, empty facades right now Uh, so that'll be fun Um, but mainly it'll be about the music and that's it's just always I'm always blown away by how much talent uh, exists here in the District of Columbia and it's uh, never more apparent than on uh, Porch Fest Day right very good so um, we'll uh, we'll give you more details on that as as it comes available but you can also check out our website riamainstreet.org 
um, and uh, take a look at the lineup of musicians and porches and um, be sure and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all those updates. Okay. All right. Let's welcome our, uh, our guest for the day. I am so honored to welcome you, uh, DC chairman, uh, Phil Mendelson. Thank you for joining us. Good to be here. Thanks, Kyle. I, thanks. Welcome to the studio. Uh, this is, uh, we've had, uh, other council members here. Um, obviously your first time to join us and, um, we are always thrilled when we can get, uh, our representatives from the DC council to come in and talk. Um, Hey, one of the many things that I love about being in the District of Columbia is how um, accessible our government is in, in a way that I've not seen in any other city. And, um, and this is just another example. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to come in and talk to us today. Um, sure. Well, it's, I think it's important that elected officials are accessible, and that's how we know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I was just reading um, about the uh, Department of Buildings Establishment Act of 2018. This is proverbially hot off the presses. Um, mm-hmm. uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, I introduced the bill in Feb- early February because we've had a series of oversight hearings with the Department of Consumer and Regulatory Affairs, and there is widespread frustration across the city with various components of DCRA. Uh, Illegal construction, the handling of vacant property, uh, inspections, particularly of apartment buildings for housing code violations. And the the frustration is on all sides of the spectrum. So there are developers who are frustrated as well as property owners adjacent to development sites. I mean, just everybody's frustrated. It's very slow and bureaucratic. Uh, it's actually uh, ripe for corruption because when it's slow, then there's an incentive for somebody to want to offer a bribe. Most of the workers there are, are very good and hardworking, so I don't want to impugn the workers, but it's not a good environment. And, um, and so there is some cheating that takes place. We want, you know, we, our, our codes should be... Our, our codes should be developed in a way that uh, is reasonable, and I think they are. And then we want compliance with those codes, whether we're talking about housing code for tenants or we're talking about the building code for construction or additions. And when I hear these stories like a restaurant where it just takes months longer than it should for that restaurant to get its permits so yes. it can open, and that costs money. Yes, it does. And then that's, that is a disincentive to a business opportunity in the district. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea behind this department is to break it off from the current DCRA, and it will focus solely on uh, building permits and inspections. And this would be building permits for residential as well as businesses? Yes, for all, all building permits. So we would not bifurcate, if I can use that word, between different agencies. I mean, there's already enough difficulty in that when somebody wants a permit for new construction, Chances are it involves multiple agencies like D.C. Water and uh, the Fire and EMS Department as well as DCRA. And this bill doesn't address all those different agencies, but we want the the main permit agency, which currently is DCRA, to be focused on this and focused on being more efficient and accurate so that nobody feels cheated, nobody feels like it's taking too long, nobody feels whipsawed. Uh, and they feel like they're getting a fair and honest treatment. 
I, I'm so happy to hear about this, and I and I hope that you know that it's a, a smooth sailing on, on on getting that pushed through, um, because that you know just what you've talked about about the the length of time, the the bureaucratic mess. We, that is the one complaint that I regularly hear from business owners that are trying to get started here on the on the Main Street corridor, and it's throughout the city that you know the the bureaucracy and the the convoluted process for just getting the building open and getting an occupancy permit, a certificate of occupancy is, yeah. is just mind numbingly dissuading to opening a business. Dissuading, costly, mm-hmm. uh, unnecessarily delayed. And uh, I use the word whipsaw because I hear reports of businesses where the permit is, a, the, the, the plans like the electrical plans are approved and the inspector comes out and says, no, you need to move the electrical mm-hmm. outlets. Yeah. And you move them and then there's a re-inspection and the guy comes and says, no, I actually don't want it here, I want yeah. it there. Yeah. And uh, the government has to operate with consistency as well. Uh, so so wonderful to hear. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, by and large, everybody at DCRA is trying to do the right thing, you know, throughout the years. It, yes. It's just such a huge process. And and I would imagine, I mean, you, you've been with the council for a while. You've seen tremendous changes in the in the small business, well, the you know, just the economic growth environment of D.C., um, there's so much interest in having businesses here in the district. I imagine that that having its own agency is is just the way to go. I think so. You know, when we talk about economic development, I think most citizens think of big projects, developers, but economic development very much is about business activity and, in particular, small business. For the resident or even the visitor who is interacting with the city, if I can put it that way, it's about typically small businesses, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, in this neighborhood going to Zeke's Coffee. It's the characteristic of the neighborhood. And, um, I, I, you know, it, it's not about the big uh, developer. Let me think of some um, national development company like Heinz. Uh, but that's often what people think of. And uh, we can do a better job as a city in working with, nurturing, supporting small businesses. That's the character of our neighborhoods. That's also where you see uh, job creation uh, and innovation. Yes, yes. And, and speaking of job creation and innovation, um, the district has uh, experienced a, a, in the last couple of years a significant uh, changes in the way um, employees are are treated with within mm-hmm. those small business frames uh, from uh, raising the minimum wage to um, the Universal Unpaid Amendment Act, the Universal un- Unpaid Leave. Um, what do you think of, has been uh, some of the most impactful legislation for the small business uh, ecosystem here in D.C.? Well, one of the most impactful would be the Made in D.C. legislation that we approved a, couple, a year ago, maybe two years ago, to try to do more to promote Made in D.C. businesses. Um, and not only is that good for businesses, but I think it's also good for civic pride. Now, you mentioned a couple other issues like uh, the minimum wage. And I know that's hard on on businesses. Uh, uh, when We've actually raised it in two steps. The first step I was very much involved with 
That was in 2013, and I worked with counterparts in Prince George's and Montgomery counties, so we weren't doing this alone, so that a business wouldn't feel like we're raising the cost of doing business in the district disproportionate to competitors in Maryland. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have, there just isn't the same attitude in Virginia. But that was significant, and uh, the second step was a year or two ago with the mayor's initiative, and there was an initiative that was about to get on the ballot, so it, it would have happened. But what we've seen is that uh, Montgomery County has now joined, so we're going to a $15 an hour minimum wage. I can't remember if it's in 2020, 2021, it gets phased in. I think it's important that we work with our regional colleagues so that when we're doing something like that, that the, uh, the, the cost is not disproportionately higher in the district. Right. That, that way, employers don't say, we, we're just going to move our business to Maryland. Correct. Right. right. Um, and, and speaking of the, the Made in D.C. Um, legislation, um, it, you could not agree with you more about the civic pride aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, and wow, have we seen a boom in um, Made in D.C.-based businesses. Yeah. So, so many creative people opening new things. Um, the the legislation allowing for distilleries in the district, mm-hmm. um, you know, another great incentive for small locally owned businesses to open up. Um, what do you what do you see happening in the future for small businesses in the district? Do you, as far as the trends, the um, the the directions that that we may see small business going in in the district. Well, I think what the, if left to its own devices, I think the uh, private sector, the the market forces will continue to see more of these small businesses created and more locally focused uh, businesses. Government should do more, though, because, uh, you know, businesses, new new businesses have a difficult time uh, starting up access to capital. Um, In many cases, uh, the business owners not being as, uh, how do I put this, experienced. That kind of makes sense in what it takes to run a business, to start up a business and run a business. And usually um, it's not profitable for a while. And uh, government can provide a lot of resources to help there. It can help with access to capital or backstopping financing. Um, Government can help with um, training, reaching out to businesses that are struggling and seeing if there's some ways that... uh, through training or through some financial assistance, we can be helpful. I mean, Main Street, I think, is an important program. We have a Great Streets program, which provides grants. Um, and, you know, actually, that's a good example of what government does well and sometimes doesn't do well, the Great Street. It's a, a grant program, and the amount has changed. I'm going to say it's somewhere around $50,000. And for several years, uh, what was happening when it, when it first started was that a business could apply, they would get the grant, but they don't get the money until they actually incur the expense, and then they seek a reimbursement. Well, first of all, I don't know why the government designed it that way, and second of all, I don't know why the government didn't go out and ask any of the businesses (laughs) how this was working. But when we found out at the council, when I found out at the council through hearings that this reimbursement approach wasn't working, I mean, 
you've got a small business, you're struggling financially, that's actually right. why the grant is important to you. The grant enables you to do some stuff that will make your business more uh, attractive to customers. But uh, you don't have the money. That's why you asked for the grant. And then we say, well, go spend the money first and we'll reimburse you. Yeah. And yeah. then and the reimbursement period takes much longer than expected. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so what we did was we changed it. The council changed it. I asked the council to change it so that uh, there's a, a portion of the grant is given out in advance. And then the next portion is paid out when the first when the expenses are shown from the first portion. We you know we want to protect the public dollars, but we want you to be able to spend the money. Yes. So we've changed that program, uh, and uh, that's just an example of government. We need to constantly look at how we're doing business in helping business and reevaluate it, make changes so that it actually enables businesses to be more successful. There's a lot government can do, and we should do it. I And I am so uh, thrilled you brought that up. That That is one of the, the greatest positive changes to a grant program, um, because you're absolutely right. If businesses had the money to spend up front, they probably wouldn't, they have, wouldn't, need, the they grant. wouldn't need the grant. That <laughs> happened pretty quickly, too. Yeah, it was only uh, one or two go-rounds right. where, where it was the... Where it was the other way. 100% reimbursable. Right. You all moved very quickly on that, yes. I thought. Yeah. Well, D.C. is nothing if not vocal about how they <laughs> feel about things. This is true. <laughs> there was this a, is true. There was a lot of And that speaks to the accessibility of the, the people in government, that we can talk to you all. We can come yeah. out to meetings. We can call your offices. Yeah. And, yeah. and you all respond. Yes. Yes, and thank you for that. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I think you're you know obviously absolutely right on the things that businesses need that access to capital and support and i think that um one of the things that you mentioned about business owners wanting to have businesses but maybe not necessarily knowing how to go about having business i think you know that's absolutely a um dc being a, a victim of its own success in in that we have such a thriving small business economy that everybody wants to do it Mm -hmm. and um, everybody certainly has the potential to be a good business owner, but like you pointed out, not everybody has the the knowledge base. Um, And the government, through programs like Main Streets and through grants through the Department of Housing and Community Development, um, we we have grants through DHCD to do small business training and education. And I think that's one of the the most important uh, projects that that we can do because that that money then multiplies when it comes back to the district in the form of successful small businesses yeah um i know with uh dhcd grants uh there's a lot of the money is is federal dollars uh, and there's been some discussion about having more local dollars go into the dhcd small business um technical assistance program do you see anything like that coming forward on the on the budget uh, i know the budget season is just getting started but what do you think the the opportunities for increased local funding local dollars going into those dhcd grants sounds like i think the council would be supportive we'll get the budget the proposed budget from the mayor uh, march 21st and have a month with hearings and getting public input um I would expect the council would be supportive. It may not be, as I say, millions and billions of dollars, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, putting some money in there. Uh, we've come to realize that uh, 
business is important and small business is especially important. And uh, if a program is working, we want to support it and put more resources into it. Right. It's, I, it's so good to hear that. Uh, I, I obviously live, eat, and breathe um, small business and mm-hmm. what I do with the Main Street program. Um, but it's it's so easy to be supportive of main streets and and small business development when you walk into you know to use Zeke's as another example, you know when they when they started they were just roasting coffee beans, and we talked them into to opening for you know a basic coffee shop and they were like okay well maybe we'll do some drip coffee, right. and you know they had you know, three four employees when they first opened up and now they. Um, are not only roasting and shipping out to all of the local grocery stores here, um, but they've got uh, the farmers markets. They've got farmers markets. They're open seven days a week now. They were only open six days a week. Right. When they first started. Fifteen to twenty employees yeah. during a regular season, and right. double that during farmers market season. And they're they're hiring people that live here in the district, right. and uh, that and that's frequently the, right here in Ward Five. Yeah. Which is yeah. terrific. And that speaks to the value of encouraging small businesses. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so so you've you've been a member of the council for a while. Um, what how how has how has DC changed in, in your tenure, you know, particularly with with regards to the economic development? What do you what uh, do you like? Well the main re- way that the city has changed is that uh, we've gone from population decline which spanned several decades to population growth. Our population dipped below 600,000, and now it's uh, over 700,000. It's quite quite phenomenal. And that means that uh, with, with that population growth, there's just much more activity. We see it on the, um, on the business side. We just see it in terms of residential activity. Uh, there's more interest in our schools, improving our schools, uh, parks. Uh, making the city just more interesting in terms of different transportation options. That's what happens with a growing city. You know, my daughter is um, in DCPS, a senior. She's going to graduate. She wants to go to an art school. and She applied to an art school in Detroit, and she really likes the school. She went out and visited it, but uh, was discouraged with the city of Detroit with vacant land and not a lot of activities, at least near the school. And it makes a difference. It just makes mm-hmm. a big difference. We don't have that complaint here. <laughs> no, if we anything, do not. we have the complaint of too much, what to too do. much what traffic, to do. too much too density. Much, yeah. yeah, too much to do. Yeah. Um, that speaks to the vitality of a growing city, growing in terms of population, and in turn, uh, growing business activity. So that's the biggest change that I see, um, and we see it physically with more apartment buildings. Uh, we see it also just in terms of development with more construction sites and construction cranes. I could get more um, esoteric about it. Uh, I remember the days when we had a control board because the city was doing very poorly financially. Uh, we're fiscally healthy now, and that doesn't mean we should sit back and splurge because we have a lot of needs like uh, funding metro system adequately so that it's safe and reliable or even uh, funding our infrastructure, which, like uh, everywhere else, is in disrepair and will cost billions to bring it to a state of good repair. So I don't want to say it's a a totally rosy picture, but 
the district today compared with uh, 20 years ago financially robust that that's a big difference um, I, I don't know if the city is younger or just more vigorous uh, certainly there are a lot of young folks there's a total um, baby baby boom happening here there in is a big baby boom there yep. is but the senior population is growing too yeah. and as far as I can tell the middle age population is growing so it's as if everybody's growing uh, so I don't know about that um, but it it, in those way, all these ways, it's a it's a different city, that and for the good. Yeah, yeah. I, the the latest audit report came back, right? Yes. Um, and no, no alarm bells. All all good news on the on the audit report. Yeah. So. You know, um, I and the mayor, we go up to New York every year to meet with the ratings agencies to talk about our financial picture, and we're going to go up in a couple of weeks. Most people don't realize this, but the biggest factor holding back. Wall Street, with regard to the district, is Congress. <laughs> I bet you people could believe that. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, well, of course it is. Yeah. Unpredictability and the fact that at any time they can pass a law that undoes or, or makes us do something that uh, could be harmful. Um, and where Congress is in terms of uh, the federal payroll and whether the region's going to grow or shrink and whether they're going to be shutdowns, all that kind of nonsense, that hurts our ratings on Wall Street. That, I had not even thought about that, but yeah, I, I bet it does. And to a lesser extent, it hurts Maryland and Virginia, so we're not alone on that. It's not simply a home rule issue, uh, but it does have to do with um, the fact that that's a factor outside of our control. So you think we'll, do you think that we will at any point see support for for the district becoming uh, an actual state? Well, we're going to continue to push it. The uh, I think the simple argument for it is that uh, the residents of the District of Columbia who pay taxes, federal taxes, and uh, send our sons and daughters to war, that uh, we should have all of the rights and responsibilities that all the other Americans do. And that only comes with statehood. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Congress has uh, been uh, very resistant in part because uh, of the partisanship up there, and they see us as too democratic. It's unfortunate that that's how democratic values get uh, filtered. So we will continue to fight for that, but incrementally we've um, we've made a lot of progress in that area. Budget autonomy, which means that we now approve our budget, the Republican majorities don't recognize that, but the courts have recognized that. So, for instance, when there was that shutdown, we were completely unaffected. Yeah. And um, and that, that was an element, uh, a step toward further home rule that uh, that we've taken. So so now when, when the D.C. Council and the mayor have both agreed upon a budget, does it still have to go to the feds to be approved? Uh, passively approved. So it used to be that the district's budget was like any other appropriation act, and we would approve what we called a request act and send it to Congress. Now we treat it like any other bill that we adopt, which is we vote on it twice, the mayor signs it, we send it to the Hill for a 30-day passive review. They can veto it. Now Congress does retain the authority to legislate under the Constitution. So even though we pass a budget, if they want to swoop in and say, well, we're going to um, decrease funding for schools by $200 million, they could do that. 
I mentioned that because that's such an absurd example. I don't expect they would. <laughs> uh, but but that is part of the concern of Wall Street that they have that ultimate authority. One day. So much. So much. Can you talk a little bit about um, the president's budget with respect to DC TAG? I know a lot of parents are concerned about that. Well, they should be concerned because TAG's an important program. But we're fairly confident that Congress will do what it's done each of the past several years where the president has either zeroed out or substantially recommended substantial cut. That is, Congress has restored the money. So we're fairly confident that will happen. If, if, if citizens are concerned, they should speak they should out. sign the petition yeah. and speak out. Doesn't doesn't hurt. That's part of the political process. But there's also been some talk that if it isn't funded federally, that D.C. could step in. Do you know anything well, about Well, the that? district could, but we're talking about uh, $40 million. That's a lot of money to step in right. with. So, and we have we other needs. We hope we don't needs. get to that. Yeah. Correct, because it would be hard to find that $40 million. Uh, again, I think... Uh, I, I, my recollection is that President Trump zeroed out tag DC tag last year, and Congress uh, has approved it at a, I think it's a forty million dollar level. Okay. So we think that will happen again. Okay. It's a has bipartisan support. It's for an uncontroversial program, meaning education, mm -hmm. schools, post secondary, and um, the uh, the the program in originated with Congress. It's a, a you know a congressional initiative. So for those reasons, we. We, I don't want to. I don't. I want to say confident. We're confident it'll be but funded. But people need to. But I don't want to say people. Up. Yes, people should speak up. And for our listeners outside of the area, uh, DC TAG is the DC Tuition Assistance Grant um, mm -hmm. because DC uh, residents. Um, we are not a state, we're and not a state, we, so, we, so don't, we don't have state schools, and we don't get don't it have, in state tuition. We have one state school, well, University of right. District of Columbia, which is growing and improving, it but uh, it's one option. It's only one you option. look at uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia with multiple options, right. or the state of Maryland. Right. Well, I mean, you know, the perfect example is your daughter wanting to go in art school, mm -hmm. um, and there there isn't a, a designated high-quality art school in, in the district of Columbia. Correct. Right. Um, so, uh, so this uh, DC tag allows um, college-age students to um, get financial assistance to allow them to go to what would be considered an out-of-state college, but at the equivalent of in-state rates. It's up like, to ten. Yeah, it's up to ten thousand. So right. originally, the idea was at uh, at uh, state rates. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, it's an important program. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, again, it's just one of those things that we pay income taxes, right. we, we pay we taxes, uh, exactly. so why shouldn't we have access to, to these things? Uh, so shift, shifting gears a little bit, um, with all of these new residents coming into the area, um, a lot of a lot of folks have a lot of uh, energy to get involved in D.C. politics and, and take advantage of the fact that our elected officials are so accessible. Um, and um, you've got a long history in the D.C. politics scene. What is what is your words of advice to uh, young people about getting involved in, in the district um, from a political standpoint? Uh, my advice is they absolutely should get involved. Uh, you know, public participation is the backbone of democracy. And to the extent that people are apathetic, they 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 cede 
power, cede authority to those who are involved in paying attention, and that's not a good thing. We benefit. I say this often, and uh, I, I very much want to be accessible. We benefit from input, from interaction. So people need to be involved. I, I have, I think, great ideas. Everybody thinks they have great ideas, but those ideas are tested and refined as a result of being accessible and getting input. So people, people who are um, new to the district absolutely should get involved, and there are many different ways to do it. We have a lot of civic associations. We have advisory neighborhood commissions to which people are elected, and then they get great weight when they make recommendations to the city. Uh, and uh, the, the council is very open. We have hearings just like Congress, but unlike Congress, anybody can uh, sign up to testify in Congress. It's invitation only. There, there are many different ways that people can participate, and uh, we need to hear that because we're a better city as a result of the many different voices. Indeed. Uh, and coming back around to um, the Department of, of Buildings, I completely forgot to ask this um, before, but uh, you mentioned um, building yeah can't even talk right now uh, the the effect of this uh, new legislation uh, as far as um, developments um, I know that particularly for large-scale developments um, many times you have to go through the the um, zoning commission mm-hmm. uh, for uh, PUDs and and in larger scale developments, how do you see um, the uh, the zoning commission interacting with the uh, Department of Buildings? I, I don't think that would change. Although I would like to think that the new Department of Buildings, because it has a singular focus, would be better at processing its part of these development proposals. So, for example, in DCRE right now, and this would be moved to the new Department of Buildings, is the Zoning Administrator. And the Zoning Administrator, which is separate from the Zoning Commission, is the one who reviews plans and determines whether they comply with zoning. And if they don't comply with zoning, then the Zoning Administrator says what needs to be done to comply. You know, like you need a variance or a special exception or you have to make some modifications. If that process isn't efficient, then developers, whether we're talking about a homeowner or a big, big, big company, uh, get hung up. And uh, that's why we've seen increasing reliance on permit expediters. Uh, That's why we see some illegal construction, I think, because it's just for some, they're willing to take a chance and gamble that we'll just go ahead and build and not wait for the zoning administrator. We see very contentious cases before the zoning commission or the BZA where the zoning administrator has gotten it wrong because the zoning administrator doesn't have sufficient resources. Uh, So I don't see a change in terms of the zoning commission, but it should be an improvement in terms of the administrative side, the DCRA side of the zoning process. Fingers crossed on that. What is is the next steps on this? Well, we're going to have a hearing. I think we're looking at April. Now, this is the middle of budget season, so it'll be a hearing, but there won't be much more that happens then. Uh, the hearing helps to focus people so that we get some meaningful comments. I expect that the bill will uh, go through some re- quite a bit of refinement because this is a big deal to uh, break off uh, an agency from another agency and then to carefully define what the duties and responsibilities are. 
So we're likely not to see uh, the actual creation of that agency in FY18? No. The earliest would be FY19, which starts October 1st, but I think that's ambitious. Mm-hmm. could be the middle of the year. It might be the end of FY19. That's that's a, a lot of uh, a lot of wheels and hamsters to get going in the same yes. direction. Uh, and you you mentioned uh, earlier about the the other inspections, the Department of Health, uh, um, those types of inspections that go with um, opening a business. Uh, n- nothing of that is going to change as far as um, not this legislation uh, I mean the Department of Health looks in terms of health code compliance and um, so that's a separate department that would not change with this but but you do I mean it reminds me of what we talked about before and that is to try to have better interaction between the agencies so that the consumer whether we're talking about an individual a small business a developer doesn't get hung up with these agencies that aren't working well together Indeed, indeed. Um, well, uh, Chairman Mendelson, thank you so much for taking time oh, it's to been my pleasure. Uh, stop by. Um, folks, if you want to uh, find out more about the, the council member, uh, chairmanmendelson.com is, uh, is Chairman Mendelson's website. You can also visit dccouncil.us. Um, to get updates on all the various forms of legislation, uh, you can also sign up to testify at upcoming hearings, um, as we've mentioned several times on this show. Um, and as Chairman Mendelson has mentioned just now, it's budget season. Um, if you have commentary or thoughts on um, a particular agency's performance or their upcoming budget, um, D.C. is the place to speak up. So uh, find out about the budget schedule and get in there and sign up for um, the hearings and exercise your right as a resident of the District of Columbia to speak out on on these things. Um, There's lots of good information on the D.C. Council website. Um, So don't hesitate to get involved in the city that you live in, friends. Um, Thank you again, Chairman Mendelson. Um, And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you.